Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome to Crossbridge. We're so glad that you joined us. I'm Trish, and I'm one of the staff pastors here. And we just want to welcome you at our Peru campus and at our Morris campus and online. Um, wherever you are watching us or joining us from, we're so glad that you chose us um, to worship with us today. I just wanted to start, um, some of you know that I have been battling um, stage four breast cancer that has spread to my bones, and uh, particularly my right leg has, uh, all year it's been attacking my right leg, and I've been in a brace and in a wheelchair, and I just want to thank you so much for all of your prayers for myself and for my family. Um, my femur, the cancer had actually eaten my femur bone, and then I broke it in a couple places, of course, waiting for the brace to be made. And um, so it's been all year. Uh, we've been praying for healing, and God has been so faithful, and he has answered our prayers. And the bone is completely healed. The fractures are healed, and my surgeon actually said that he could not have done a better job at healing the bone um, than God did, of course. So I just want to thank you so much, and it is such a privilege to be up here um, being able to share with you today. So uh, let's get started and dive in. Who remembers having a great teacher in school? Uh, someone who made learning fun for you and like maybe you actually even um, look forward to going to that class every day. Maybe that teacher um, used all different kinds of techniques. Uh, maybe she was silly or um, danced around or dressed up or did whatever it took to make sure that you could learn the material that she was trying to teach you. Um, or maybe you had a teacher that was a little bit more like this. Adams, here. Adam Lee, here. Adamowski, Adamson, here. Adler, here. Anderson, Anderson, here. Bueller, 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 Bueller. If that was your teacher, I so apologize. And if you're still in therapy over that, it's completely understandable. <laughs> I know I would be. <laughs> but how many of us would say, and I'd like to see your hands, how many of us would say that we know a little bit more today than we knew back when we were in school? When I was in school, I was horrible at history. I just could not grasp it. I couldn't understand it. Um, any of it. I just didn't get it. When I was in sixth grade, I remember that we would play this very stupid game. The teacher would have um, seven maps and he would pull them down and there'd be the seven continents on the maps and we'd have to go up front and, and uh, draw a piece of paper out of a hat and then you needed to find what that piece of paper said. And uh, one time I got the piece of paper and I pulled it out and it was the continent of Africa. <laughs> the continent of Africa, and uh, I couldn't find it. So uh, stop judging me. I can feel you judging. I could probably find it today, but uh, just to save face, I actually looked it up to make sure Africa was a continent. 
<laughs> so I'm still learning. And uh, now, was not being great at history detrimental to my, um, the rest of my schooling? Not necessarily. I mean, I made it. I graduated. Uh, and now I actually watch the History Channel, and I get to learn all kinds of things about history that I just could not learn back then for whatever reasons. I get to um, connect the dots more now. And the difference, I think, is, is that I actually want to watch the History Channel and uh, learn all kinds of cool stuff. Back then, when I was in school, I didn't really care very much about history. And so I think that's really the difference. I now want to learn and I want to grow in my knowledge of history. And our relationship with Jesus can be a lot like that. Some of us can, can just get it. We understand it. We, we get God's word. And some of us might still be looking for the continent of Africa. But the good news is, wherever you find yourself today, it, that is not where you need to stay if you're not where you want to be. We have this awesome teacher who is 100% for us in figuring out our relationship with Jesus on a daily basis. And that teacher is Jesus himself. And you know, Jesus was no ordinary man. He came to teach us how to live, how to look, and how to love like he did. And he came to tell us and teach us all about the kingdom of God and how we can enter into that kingdom. Jesus had different ways of teaching, and one of the ways that he taught us was through parables. And a parable was basically a story that Jesus would, would tell to teach like a moral or a spiritual lesson. And he would use stories from ordinary everyday life so that people would be familiar with what he was talking about. And not only did these stories make Jesus' preaching more memorable, but they also connected it much more in a profound way. And not um, every detail in a parable like, has to mean something. Um, there is not this big symbolic meaning all the time to every word that Jesus said. But usually, he would teach like one main point or a concept. But parables were not understood by everybody who heard them. Have you ever tried to just sit down and read some of the parables and maybe you were left scratching your head? Well, the good news is, is that you're not alone. But Jesus knew that that would happen. So here's where we start to see God's upper story trying to break through to our lower story. Jesus' parables were meant to reveal truths about God's kingdom to those whose hearts were prepared to hear. And at the same time, the truths taught in these parables were hidden from those whose hearts were hardened and resistant to God. So today we're going to take a look at the parable of the sower found in Mark 4, 3 through 9. And it says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Other seed fell on good soil, and it came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus uses this parable to describe how his message will be received in the world. When I was wrestling with God about my call to becoming a pastor, this parable is what he continued to take me back to. He reassured me that everything that we do matters and that some of the people that we invest in, they will make it to harvest. 
Some will turn and go a different direction. But the important thing is, is that we continue to do our part of planting and watering the seeds so that God can then continue to grow them and bring them to harvest. When I was thinking about telling a story about each of the soils, I realized there are really no like heart-grabbing stories about how people turn from God and are possibly lost for eternity. And I didn't want to like leave you like in this somber, like your head laying low, leaving church today. But the truth is, is that we probably all know people who are in each of these soils. And maybe we've even found ourselves in these soils at one time or another. So today we're all in a soil. So let's take a closer look at them. When I was in high school, we had this beautiful family Bible that used to sit in the corner of the dining room, and you just didn't really touch it. It, it wasn't something that you picked up or used or, you know, really even thought about. You just walked by it all the time. But when I was a freshman in high school, I went to a Catholic high school, and I had to write a gospel according to myself in order to get out of religion class my freshman year. I uh, didn't even know what a gospel was. <laughs> I had to look it up. And so if you find yourself in that same boat today, a gospel means good news, and it's God's plan to save sinful humans from eternal separation from himself. So I picked up this family Bible, and I thought, I'm going to turn to Genesis 1-1. I mean, it sounded like a good place to start right in the beginning. Um, The only problem is is that it was more like reading a foreign language. I got a few chapters into it, and I slammed it shut, and I put it back in the corner because I had no understanding of what it was saying because it was not yet my time. I just could not grasp it, and I couldn't understand it. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. We probably all know people who thought about maybe starting a relationship with God, and for whatever reason, it just really didn't get off the ground. Some who hear will not understand. Some seed fell on rocky places, but were scorched and withered because they had no root. Some of us will believe God's word. We will receive Christ's forgiveness and begin a relationship with Jesus, but for whatever reason, that relationship, it just doesn't grow. When faced with difficulties of life and in the world, uh, they just give up their loyalty to God and they turn away from him. I have a brother who um, I had been praying for for quite some time, and he started asking questions and kind of seeking out God, and he made an appointment with one of the staff pastors, and he went in and, and was talking to him, and he shared with me that he had prayed the prayer and that he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and I was so excited for him. I had been praying for him for quite some time, and when he came out of that meeting, I was there, and and I'm telling you, I think he had a little bit more pep in his step and a smile on his face that I had not really ever seen before. So I bought him this Bible, and um, I told him to start in the book of John, not Genesis, but in John, (laughs) and um, I just kept praying for him. So a little bit of time had passed, and um, within a few weeks, some of my other family members had started questioning him about his relationship with Jesus and kind of beating him down unintentionally. Um, but eventually that led my brother to thinking that God just wasn't really worth the effort or the harassment that he was receiving, and he turned his back and walked away from his newly found relationship with Jesus. See, like I told you, these stories are not so uplifting, but hold on, stay with me, because the good news is coming. In verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. 
These are the people who actually are like almost all in. They commit their lives to Christ. They grow in their relationship. They're, they're serving in their church or maybe they're volunteering someplace. They're inviting friends and family to come to church with them. And then as time goes on, the concerns of life start to rear their ugly head. And maybe it's an addiction. Uh, maybe they're chasing a career. Their worries and anxieties or desires or even the deceitfulness of wealth. Whatever it is, they feel like they just can't continue to go on and that their secret is going to be revealed. So instead of turning to God and, and giving that over to God, they actually kind of just stop coming to church as regularly as they were until they're not coming at all. A lack of personal growth, discipline, worldly concerns, and riches can all turn somebody away from their relationship with Jesus if their heart is not in the right place. Now, there's nothing wrong at all with having riches as long as they don't consume you and make you feel like you need to choose one over God. And finally, some seed fell on good soil. It produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Some of us here accept and are obedient to God's word. Here's the good news, I think, about all of this. God loves us so much that his love for us is so great that he throws the seeds wherever, and he doesn't care if they're going to make it to harvest or not. He doesn't pick and choose where the seeds go. And a farmer knows his fields. Back then, a farmer would plant his seeds by what's called broadcasting by hand. And broadcasting is a process of random scattering of seeds on the surface of the seabeds. It's not an effective method of sowing seeds. Three-quarters of the seeds that are scattered are lost. Three-quarters of them. Three unproductive soils. But God still chooses to scatter the seeds. A sower scattered seeds widely on unpromising terrain in hopes of a harvest. He doesn't just throw the seeds where he knows that they're going to make it. God's love for, uh, God loves us so much, he's willing to scatter those seeds where the birds can eat them, where they can be withered and scorched. He throws them among the thorns, all in a hopes of a harvest. This parable is one of the only parables that Jesus actually explains to his disciples. And I'm paraphrasing this, but Jesus tells his disciples that the seeds are God's word. And the birds are like Satan snatching the seeds away. The scorching sun are like the trials in our lives. When we become withered, we stumble. And the choking of the thorns are the various issues and misplaced priorities that we have in our lives. But there is good soil for those who hear and accept the word of God. In verse 9, Jesus tells us, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus used parables to reveal truth in a form that requires faith to accept and understand. God's word is sown in most of the world today, but only those who truly accept it will produce a harvest. Jesus is teaching us from the upper story how to live our life in the lower story. Jesus also used a more direct style of teaching when he gave us the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching us and giving us a vision for how life works in God's community. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us again and again how to live out our Christian lifestyle. He explains what it looks like to be a follower and how to serve as a member of God's kingdom. He makes it clear that his followers should live in a noticeably different way than other people and that there's a higher standard of conduct, love, and selflessness that Jesus himself embodied. 
The Sermon on the Mount is found in chapters 5 through 7 of the book of Matthew, and it contains the most important teachings of Jesus. The sermon begins with Jesus talking, teaching us about the Beatitudes and their call for humility, peacemaking, purity, and righteousness. And then he continues on with a few sharp words about anger, lust, revenge, and hypocrisy. And then in the middle of it, he gives us the Lord's Prayer. All of this is followed by some more words, strong words against materialism, worry, and judging others. But it's not all like, thou shall not. The Sermon on the Mount ends with Jesus' encouragement for his followers to pray frequently and fervently, to live by the golden rule, to bear good fruit, and to continue to build on the rock. So we're going to take a look at some of the Beatitudes and what Jesus was trying to teach us about them. Each Beatitude starts with blessed. And the word blessed refers to well-being and joy of those who, because of their relationship with Christ and his word, find their place in God's kingdom. There are certain character requirements for us if we want to receive the benefits of God's kingdom. And we need to be guided by God's purposes and values and not by the ways of the world. So the first requirement is found in Matthew 5, 3, part A. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So God requires us to be humble, not arrogant, and not self-reliant. And humility makes us teachable. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We will all face challenges and problems in our lives that will test us. We, but as we mourn over those loss or those trials, we are promised to be blessed as we endure. Verse 5a, blessed are the meek. Those who are gentle, kind, patient, and tolerant, not proud, mighty, or conceited. The meek depend on God, and they commit their lives to him. And our Savior, at all times, was willing to submit to the will of God. At all times. Verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Purity of heart leads to love and knowledge of God. If we strive to be like God, our motives and our actions will be honorable, and our hearts will be pure. And to see God means to be his child and experience a close personal relationship with him. God reserves a special blessing for those who suffer for his sake. We as Christians must be aware of the temptation to compromise our faith for the world. Matthew 5.12 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Those who suffer and endure because of their commitment to God are promised a place of honor and reward in God's heavenly kingdom. And Jesus teaches us all that we need to know to live our life out for God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Humanly speaking, we could, uh, we could understand and interpret the Sermon on the Mount in a thousand different ways. Jesus knows only one possibility, simple surrender and obedience. Not interpreting it or applying it, but doing and obeying it. And the final uh, way Jesus teaches us that we're going to talk about today is how to pray. Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer that is still in part of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also forgive, have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. With this model prayer, Jesus suggests there should be some priorities to our prayer life as Christians. 
With the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer. He was trying to teach his disciples how to pray. Now, there's nothing magical about these words. Um, this prayer is not a, like a formula, but it can teach us how to approach God in prayer. And when I was younger, I remember every night before I went to sleep, I would say this prayer. And I wasn't um, exactly sure what it even meant. I just thought, like, it's routine. I need to say it. I don't know what's going to come about it. But I just felt better knowing that I said it every night. <laughs> so let's take a closer look at um, what it actually does mean. It contains six requests, three having to do with God and three having to do with our personal needs. Our higher story and our lower story are coming together. Our Father in heaven. Prayer involves worshiping our heavenly Father and communicating openly with him. When we pray, we are praying to him as, as his beloved children. Hallowed be thy name. Our greatest concern in our prayer life should be to bring God honor. We should live in a way that is worthy of our relationship with God. We want the world to know how refreshingly different he is, how nothing on earth satisfies like he, like he can. Nobody can understand like he can, forgives like he can, and frees like he can. Your kingdom come. Although it's important to take our concerns and our needs to God, our greatest priority should be that God's plan is accomplished. This world is not what it was meant to be, but in the midst of suffering, God has a purpose and a plan. Your will be done. We truly should desire God's plans and purposes to be fulfilled, and we are ready to take action when he calls upon us. Daily bread. Our prayers should be for what we need today, not tomorrow or next week or sometime this year, but today. We should focus on today and include things for whatever God chooses to give us. Forgive us. Prayer is a time we can confess our sins to God and ask for strength to forgive those who have harmed us. We have done nothing to earn, or we have done everything to earn God's wrath, yet because of Christ, God gives us just the opposite. Mercy, grace, peace, and love. That's what he wants us to offer to others. Deliver us from the evil one. Each of us can be a target for Satan, and we need to pray for God's strength and wisdom in our lives to defeat Satan's schemes. We live in a world that's full of hostility, violence, oppression, disease, illness, and death. And in our lifetime, we will face tough times, and there, there will be challenging days. But God has dealt with evil, and he's won. This prayer reminds us that all praise, honor, and glory belong to God alone. Our purpose in both life and in death is to bring him glory in everything that we do. Jesus taught us a prayer that takes less than one minute to recite. The Lord's Prayer teaches us the depth of God's love in Jesus Christ. It can also help reorientate us to God's will for our lives. It's a simple prayer that all of us can memorize and pray, and it can change our lives daily if we allow it to. Jesus teaches us in different ways about God's kingdom and how to be a part of it. Jesus knew not all of us would have ears to hear his ways, but that didn't stop him from scattering seeds. He knew his ways of living in the Beatitudes would take a personal relationship with God to accomplish them, and he gave us a way to pray for both God's will and our daily needs. He has given us everything we need to enter the kingdom of God. It's up to us now what we're going to do with it. Where do you find your hearts at today? 
What soil do you find yourselves in? Where are you struggling to follow Jesus and to live the way that he wants you to live? The good news is uh, he's always offering us a turning point. There is always opportunity to turn from our ways to his ways. If that's where you find yourself today, know that it is not where you need to remain. Jesus has made a way. At this time, the campus pastors are going to come and they're going to continue to share with you. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.